0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan Cox teaches on it's time to take flight. So we've been gone for 48 hours. Uh, I went through a journey myself last July. um, Really, when the Lord transitioned us to merge together. And um, the Lord promised Michael and I some things. Probably, oh gosh we've been, how long have we have been married? 17 years this August. Two weeks before we got married, the Lord um, spoke to us indivi- individually, uh, but at the same time, it was really cool. It was like we both heard the same thing and knew the other had heard it, and so the Lord said that we would plan a church, and we were like, that sounds cool, and um, we took about three other offices before that door opened for us, and that was about 10 years into our marriage, and Planting a church is not for the faint of heart. Uh, Planting a church really showed us who we were and who we most certainly were not, what we knew and what we certainly did not. And we had been in that process for about seven years, and some things God had whispered along the journey and promised us just found ourselves standing toe-to-toe with last July. And I was completely confident that we were in the middle of a God moment and terrified at the same time. Anybody ever been there before? Just me? Completely, I mean, absolutely new, 110%. This is a God moment. I was born for this moment. Can I please run away? <laughs> I don't want to be here now. I mean, I prayed for this, and now I'm here, and I just want to run away. Okay, just me. I, I really did want to run away. <laughs> and in that process, um, I'm a writer. Uncle Paul, get it together. Uh, I'm a writer, and <laughs> and so the way I process is to write. So I sat down at the piano, and the Lord gave me a song. And I've done it here before, and I'm not going to do it this morning. But um, the song is, is called Fly. And it was then the Lord He absolutely uh, assured me and gave me confidence to move forward in what he was saying, but also he began to speak to me about the weekend we just had. And so um, it's been a long time coming, at least for me, and so we've spent 48 hours diving into this prophetic picture, if you will, of birds. Some of you are like, that's ridiculous. How in the world would God use a bird? (laughs) It's actually quite wonderful. (laughs) Oh, God, we'll use a bird or a mop or a pair of shoes to say whatever he needs to say to you. But we likened ourselves to birds this weekend. And um, a picture the Lord was showing me just about this morning was I, I saw all of us like birds, like shoved in this one room, which we very much are today, oddly enough. Uh, but we were in a cage, like more like a chicken coop. And um, we did not look so great. We were all crammed in one space. And these winged creatures, completely capable of flying, were just smashed in together and hanging out. Very much grieved my heart because what good is a bird with wings that doesn't fly? What good is a bird with wings that doesn't fly? I talked to the ladies about it this weekend. I'm just going to move real fast through it for everyone else in the room today because I think it's applicable to where we are as a body. Three things can happen, many more I'm sure, but three things specifically that the Lord highlighted to me that can happen in the life of a bird that will alter its ability to fully function. Number one, a bird's wings can be clipped. This is a small, quick, painless procedure, they say, in which a veterinarian comes and clips the primary flight wings of a bird. It happens in a matter of seconds. And the bird is still able to fly, but it will never know what it means to be fully flighted. So it will, it will get just enough of a taste but the wings are clipped so that the bird who is created and destined to take risk won't take risk. Because it becomes dangerous to them. Because we've taken them from outside, outdoors, where they can fry freely. And we've brought them indoors where there are lamps and there are tables. And there are things that we don't want them to injure themselves. And so we put them in a system. They were never created to live in. And we clipped them to manage them in our system. And it's a picture, it's a picture of the church. It's a picture of many of us in the church. I struggle because I'm a, I'm a seer, I'm a hearer, and when God speaks to me, he, he uses pictures and he uses words. And I, th- I always think, God, why can't you just like use the Bible? And the Lord was like, yeah, there's a lot of bird stuff in the Bible. And I'm not going to go through there and give you an exegesis on it. It's in there, I promise. God uses birds. He uses all kinds of pictures and symbols to show us our state and our condition. The second thing that can happen to a bird is a bird can become tired. This is a bird that has known flight, that knows what it's like to take a long flight, that knows what it's like to travel long distances, that's felt the wind under their wings, that's, no, that's seen and experienced and tasted and seen things they absolutely were created to see, but they've tasted disappointment, and they got tired. Some of you in the room know what it's like to fly. You've experienced the glory of God. You've experienced the presence of God. But you've been disappointed. And somewhere you got tired and you convinced yourself that quitting was better. Quitting was easier because you weren't sure you could muster up the strength to fly again. The deal is when birds are flying long distances, they have to elevate themselves. If they fly down low, the current... Is more difficult to combat. But if they will elevate their position, if they will lift themselves high and find the higher wind channels where the friction and opposition is less, there's a flight with so much ease that birds can fly thousands upon thousands of miles with no pit stops. That sounds crazy. That's insane. But it's possible. The third thing that we see that I feel like the Lord showed us about the life of a bird that is a real picture of where some of us are is we've been caged. Your wings are just fine. They're intact. They've never been clipped. You're not tired because you don't know what it means to work yourself. All you know is what it looks like to be seen from the outside through a set of bars. You know what it's like to be let out when you've been let out and to be put back in when you get too rowdy. You know what it's like to extend your wings and feel the restriction and limitation of what others say, of what others feel about you. And usually, those voices are the voices that own us. They're the voices that put us in a cage to begin with. A bird with wings that work ought never to be put in a cage. The only way that could even work is if you take something wild and tame it enough to stuff it in a cage. That bird could fly away like that and doesn't. Obviously, in that process, when you're buying them in a pet store and an owner has them, they've clipped the wings. But I I just have this sense of knowing that there's some of us in the room, your, your wings aren't clipped. There's nothing wrong with your wings. You're completely Able and capable to fly, yet you've been stuffed in a cage and restricted and limited. So, we spent some time just really asking, Holy Spirit, where am I? Where am I at in this process? And I would encourage you to do the same. You can do it right now in this moment. You can do it when you get home. I pray it uh, in a really great way haunts you and torments you that the word of the Lord today provokes you and causes you to go. If I'm made to fly and I'm not flying, why is that? See, all of you were born with wings. Every single one of you. What are your wings? Your wings are the things that cause you to fly, that cause you to soar, that make you distinct, that make you come fully alive. And for all of you in this room, we could go down the row one by one and you could tell me what makes you come alive. For some of you, it's cooking. For some of you, it's serving others. For some of you, it's dancing. For some of you, it's singing. For some of you, it's creating and building with your hands. For some of you, it's wrestling in the floor with your boys. It's endless the list, but there's something that makes you come alive. Those are your wings. And whether you fly in the kingdom of light or you fly in the kingdom of darkness you have wings and you will use them and the Lord said to me this weekend he said I was I was going to sleep and I was praying about what what he was saying to us what he was saying to me and I heard the words custody battle Immediately, some of you, that pulls up some serious junk because of what you walk through in the natural realm. But before you were born in the earth realm, you were born in the heart and the mind of God. He thought about you. He entailed you with very specific design for what you were on the planet to do. And when you were born into sin and iniquity in the earth realm, there was a custody battle out for who would father you. Your maker or the father of lies. Some of you don't even know how fathered by the father of lies you are. You live so restricted and so numb and so powerless and so weak and you think that's normal. And it's not. You were born to fly. You were born to soar. You were born for encounter. You were born for adventure. You were born to dream. You were born to discover. You were born to live Fully, not halfway, not 98.9, not 99.9. But 100% fully awakened and fully alive to all that God put in you. And anything less than that is a lesser you. And the Father is grieved with a lesser you. The world is... In the condition it's in, because most of the church is a lesser church, it's a lesser daughter, it's a lesser son. We're so caught up in the custody battle of whose voice we're following and whose we are and what we're limited to and what we can really do that we show them a distorted image and we're confused. We're torn like a child that has to go to one parent on one weekend and one on the other. And this says I can do one and this says I can do the other. And I don't know who I am. We're no good to the world like that. You're no good to you like that. You're no good to your husband like that. You're no good to your wife like that. You're no good to your babies like that. You're no good for your job like that. You're no good at night when you lay your head down to go to sleep because you're tormented and you don't know what's true and what's right and what's going on and the purpose kicking inside of you. You're no good halfway alive. You ever seen somebody in a hospital bed? Kept alive by oxygen, heart beating, body fully functioning, but they're not there. Is that the life you want? You want your body to exist down here. You want everything functioning, going through the motions, but never releasing anything, never exchanging life with anybody, never releasing light, never pushing back darkness, just existing. Just sucking in air and breathing it back out. That's not the life you were created for. Frustrated, overwhelmed. I'm not mad at you, but I am mad at the culture of our church today. And I don't mean the pseudo church. I mean the church that was intended for more. And she's, she's right on the edge in so many parts of the world of fully realizing her potential. And I'm mad that she believes a lie about who she is. I think that's okay. So I think Jesus is mad and passionate for his bride too. I think he fully sees her as she is and as he created her. And he grieves that she fails to walk in that potential. We never arrive at getting it all figured out. The moment you stop learning is the moment you decide to slip into a nice little autopilot coma. Keep learning. Keep discovering. Amen? The church culture today at large, specifically, I I know even in our own area, many doctrines, lots of theology, lots of people who are in spiritual leadership present the gospel as got to get saved, got to get my ticket to heaven, I got to abide and keep it all together so I can get in. And that's the bane of their existence, just... They show up, they get more head knowledge, they hear another good story, they get roused emotionally, maybe in their soul, but their spirits are never transformed, they never come fully alive, and we come and we ascend this intellectual hill, and we can say more and talk more and debate more, but we demonstrate nothing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I don't come to you to be persuasive, Or with the wisdom of man. But I come to you to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul who knew everything. Who had studied doctrine from the day he was born. He says himself in Philippians. I was born on the eighth day. Or I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was born in the tribe of Benjamin. I knew the law and concerning the law I was blameless. I knew all there was to know. I could debate with the very best. Yet he stood in the face of believers and did not recognize them. I fear in the church, we know a lot, but we demonstrate nothing. We're weak, and we're powerless, and we're anemic. But we know it all, and we look good, and we pay our bills, and we show up to work. And the goal is to make sure we're behaving, and our children are nice, little, obedient people, and they wear their best suit and dress on Easter Sunday, but they're powerless We have no victory over fear. We have no victory over sickness. We have no victory over divorce. We have no victory over everything else the world is succumbing to. We succumb to the same. Because we have no power. The Lord gave me this example this weekend. and It was just glorious. I was like, oh, it just hit me. I, I could have sat down and just drank deep of it for a good 30 minutes myself. But... When we have power outages in the natural realm, and your power goes out, you will sit on the edge of that couch till the power comes back on. And if hours go by, you're finding a way to contact KUB. You're sending emails, you're sending texts, you're sending whatever communication. Hey, I just want you to know my area is down, still down, been about 30 minutes. You working on it? You guys out there with the truck? You'll, you'll contact other people. Hey, are you out of power too? You out of power? All right, cool. If I don't come back on, I'll come over there and shower at your house. Or you're out of power? Yeah, I heard a tree was down. Awesome. There's all this discussion. There's this insane awareness when the lights go out and you can't cook and you don't have hot water and you can't do all the things you're doing. But there's absolutely no awareness when we are powerless in the church. None. Sick people come in and they leave every week and we can't command sickness to go and everyone's fine with it. We come and we sit and we listen to another sermon and we shake each other's hands and we go home and we deal with the same torment and the same anxiety and we medicate it and we deal with it and we can't sleep at night and our children are battling stuff and we just hand them the same pill. Instead of casting out what the kingdom of God says we have authority to cast out. Your fan is no good if it's not plugged in. It's no good. And if you plugged it in and didn't work, you would keep it. Why are we okay going to a church that's unplugged? Being a part of a church that's unplugged. Being part of a movement that's unplugged. Anybody ever touched a live wire before? That current has to go somewhere. And we're ignorant and foolish and deceived to think that the God of heaven who has all authority and all power when our world collides with His, that there might not be a little bit of an explosion. The igniting of flying comes from power. The igniting to start your car, to get it driving, comes from power. It comes from two things coming together and making some sort of energy. I don't know all that. (laughs) Didn't study it. Don't care to. But that word power in Scripture, I've heard it all my life. Well, I say all my life. I didn't really attend church until I was nine, and I... Didn't attend a spirit-filled church till I was 13. And I knew nothing. There were no rules. There were no do's and don'ts. So when I saw people excited about God, I thought that was a really great thing. I thought, well, if they're not excited, that's probably bad. Why are they doing something they're not excited about? It just made sense to me. So I remember... Hearing this teaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. I needed to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I was, I was 13. I knew nothing. And I, my youth minister said, do you have the, you know, Acts 19 too, That they asked the believers, have you had the Holy Spirit since you believe?' Not the Holy Spirit that comes at conversion. But the power, the encounter with the Holy Spirit. That it takes to be witnesses in the earth. To perform the supernatural. All the things. And I was like, uh, no, what is that? She said, well, you're called to ministry, you're going to need it. I said, well, okay then, lay it on me. That's literally how it looked. There was no teaching, there was no doctrine, there was no theology. She said, I needed it, it was available to me. I said, pour it on me. And it was like somebody plugged me in to a live wire. I had no head knowledge for that. I had no paradigm for that. All I knew is something I had battled with since I was a little girl suddenly didn't bother me anymore. The shame and disgust of what I had walked through as a child, it did not it wasn't my cloak anymore. That word power that's used there in Acts 1-8, when the... Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time and poured out continuously through the New Testament. It's actually in the New Testament 120 times. It's the word dunamis. It's the word we get our English word dynamite, dynamo, and dynamic. The word dynamite means where are my notes? This is why you highlight things. It's right here top page. Dynamite, explosive that causes destruction and trouble. It has a powerful effect. Has anybody ever heard dynamite go off quietly? Has anybody ever seen an explosion that cleaned itself up in 30 minutes and was a nice little tidy pile of ashes when it was done? No. No. But that's how we want church services to be. And that's how we want our life as Christians to be. Neat and tidy, explainable, completely and entirely manageable. I don't want any questions and I don't want anything left in the unknown realm that's mysterious or weird or a little off. I need to understand that. I need to be able to break that down. I need to be able to have a full conversation and debate with you about what is right and what is wrong. The word dynamo, oh, no, I'm going to do dynamic first because dynamo is my favorite. Okay. Dynamic means continuous, progressive, active change. Is that what they would say about your life? Or are you stuck? You look the same as 10 years ago. You got no new stories to tell, nothing fresh going on, nothing dynamic happening here. Just nice, traditional, assumed religion. But I look better, and I look cleaner, and at least I don't do those bad things anymore. I only use four-letter words once or twice a week now, (laughs) or I say them in my mind instead of out loud. The call was never to a better life. The call was never to get it all together. The call was to come out of a kingdom of darkness where you were ruined and undone and come into a kingdom of light and be ruined and undone and show them their counterfeit and their need and deprivation to be in this kingdom. Amen. 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 Dynamo is a generator. This is when I really wish I was a man because I would understand all this stuff. I think that you all inherently understand these things. It, it puzzles me. I know some women that are really good with tools. I'm not one of those. If I need a picture hung, my husband hangs the picture. Especially when there's two little things and you have to, like, use the level and measure. Oh. Why can't you just find a way to hang it on one nail? Why you got to split them up? I can hang all the one nailers. Anyways, totally sidetracked. Okay. Dynamo is a generator. It was discovered and created in the 1830s and it would take mechanical energy, which would be um, how they, they would burn coal and the steam that was released from the coal would be transferred or transformed into electricity. That's what a generator does. That word power should look like that in our lives. The fire and the power of the Holy Spirit should so burn in you that something is released and it causes electricity to come out of your life. With every encounter, with every exchange, there should be this power and this force. There should be this life that leaves our lips because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. I was praying about this morning. You're all caught up now. That was good. I did that what, 20 minutes? That was good. I was totally good. You got the short version, all right? 48 hours. You got in 20 minutes. When I was praying about this morning, the Lord said, it's time to take flight. I said, God, that will take me 30 seconds to say. You're going to have to say something else. <laughs> Seriously, God, 30 seconds. I mean... Church, it's time to take flight. You're dismissed, you may go home. (laughs) You can't fly if your wings are clipped. You can't fly if you're in a cage. And you can't fly if you're tired or you're disappointed. The call is to fly. Why fly? Anybody ever flown to Florida? How long does it take? Hour and a half at the most. Anybody who's driven to Florida? Kill me now. (laughs) Twelve hours in a car with children who need to pee. Take snacks and discuss all there is to be discussed in a very small space. That's why you fly. You expedite processes. Processes. You cover more ground. You see from a different perspective. Down here, this building is ginormous. I could not absolutely, no way physically possible for me to wrap my arms around this building. This building is bigger than what I am. It seems unfeasible and impossible even just to manage just this building. But if I'm in an airplane and I look down, This little building is totally manageable. The building didn't change. My perspective changed. That's why you need to fly. God wants to release something in our city that we don't have the time to take a 12 hour trip. We need to fly, we need to expedite the process. We need to release the resources that God is trying to get released because the time and the hour that we're living in is urgent. And sitting in a corner crying for Jesus to come back isn't what makes him come back. He comes back when every ear has heard and every eye has seen and everyone has had an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. We can't just sit in here and pray for things to get better. Matthew 11, 11, 12. This is in the Passion Translation. From the moment John the Baptist stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken a hold of its power. That word passionate there, even in, when you research it in different translations, that that word is, and, and I know probably this is more familiar to you in an NASB version where it says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I, the violent thing just always troubled me. I was like, what does that mean? You want us to be like angry people? I don't understand that, Lord. So I read several different translations to more understand, better understand this, this violent thing he's talking about. That word there means... To be eager to pursue and forceful. From the moment John the Baptist stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And the person who is eager to pursue, the forceful person will take hold of its power. To take hold means to forcefully and openly lay hold of something. It's not a secret, covert action. It's wide open out there. I see that and I'm coming after it. You'll do that for your babies, mamas. You see something coming after your baby, you'll go for it. So when the father sees something after you, he goes for you. He goes hard after you. Because he knows who you really are. It's time to take flight. Why fly? Because you get there faster. You cover more ground. You see what you could never see on the ground. From here, I can't see Alcoa. From here, I can't see West Knoxville. But if I were elevated, I could. I could see more at once. God is calling us as a body to change positions, to fly, to cover more ground, to see what he sees, to see how he sees, so we can be advancing and productive and openly, forcefully lay hold of what he intended for us. There are deliveries to be made. I saw such a beautiful picture. There was this airplane, and the back part was open, which I don't even know if that's real. I see that on the movies, but I always go in the side door, you know, at the airport. But surely there's a back thing, right? Anyways, that's what I saw. The back part of the plane was open, and we were lined up. I mean, the line was as long as I could see. From the back of that plane, we were just lined up, men, women, and children. And we were just this assembly line loading boxes, into this plane. And God said, There are deliveries to be made from this house. There are deliveries to be made. Did you hear me? There are deliveries to be made from this house to our city, to our nation, and the nations of the world. But you don't get to be part of the delivery at home in bed. You've got to be in the line, laying hold of, actively pursuing, and forcefully releasing, and taking hold of the power that's available to you. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to read this um, word the Lord gave me in January our body. And I just want to be faithful to release what God is saying because I want all of you that God has brought to be in position. I want to be a part of a church that's fully alive. It's not okay when there's no breakthrough. I have no desire to be traditional Ritualistic and assume that I'm experiencing the fullness of God when the reality is there are no lights on, there's no hot water, we can cook no food, we're completely in the dark. But it's fine, this is how we've always done it. I have no desire to be a part of a church like that. I'm hungry to see the body active in the marketplace. I'm not okay when my children need breakthrough and need physical healing in their body, and I ain't got what it takes. Not that we earn it, not that we strive for it, not that we lay hold of it because we get it all right and all together, but staying hungry. Staying hungry to the point that when my son says, mom, my knees hurt, I just don't say take ibuprofen and deal with it. I walk away and say, God, my mind is not yet transformed enough to believe that your kingdom realm is more real than the world I'm standing in now. And I will contend till I see breakthrough. I will pray until I hear you say he's healed and I see it manifest in his body. That's the kind of church we were born to be a part of. There's a call for us this year to run. There's a call for us this year to take flight. Both of those images are active, pursuing, not dormant, intentional realities and responsibilities. And it. I can do some stuff running by myself, but I could do a lot more with 300 people running with me. When you fly, what you carry becomes mobile. What you carry is no longer restricted to one place. Some of you have more influence in your pinky than 10 people Put together and you sit in a cage. Two thousand nineteen is a year of acceleration, it is a year of fulfillment. It is a year of extreme transformation. It will feel gradual and overnight at the same time. There will be moments you feel your head is spinning and at the same time like you're floating on clouds. There will be an ease available through faith and grace, but it's your choice. You must choose to let me, this is God speaking, make it easy, or else it will feel as though you're trying to catch up in a race that you were late to the start. It's a year to align yourself with this plan, to adjust your design to my design. It's a year for faith to be expressed through action. Direct your thoughts. Do not let your thoughts direct you. As you conquer your inner world, your outer world will dramatically shift in response to you taking your place as a son or a daughter. It's a year of glory revealed, your own glory that God put in you from the foundation of the world, rising to the surface, being poured out as you are open to receive. It's a year to connect with people. Don't hold back. Go for it. Take risk and love people without hesitating. It's a year of connecting the dots it's a year to dig deep and release what you were born for. To connect promises from years ago to promises of, de- of today. I see him drawing a line, connecting the dots like they draw galaxies in diagrams. I see him reaching into your past. And fulfilling promises that got stuck in chronological time because no one picked them up in your family line. But when the picture is finished, something beautiful will rise and shine in you. Through you that is comparable to the wonder of his creative work in the stars. He's completing works in you this year so he can begin something new. Let us sit still and not wiggle or resist the finishing touches. Let us not mourn when he hangs the canvas for others to see and says, here's a blank canvas, let's begin again. Let us delight in the blank canvas. Celebrating what was and what is coming. He is ready to do it. How hungry are you? What do you dare to believe him for? It's time to bury what was and run hard after what is. Run as hard as you can. Cover as much ground as you can. In January, he said run. In March, he says fly. It seems to me that the pace is picking up. Please don't sit in a chair and watch. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you. They need what you carry. They need what you see. They need what you hear. Your city needs you to release all you were born for. They need you to be the most creative, the most gifted, the most skilled, the most business minded. They need you to walk into a boardroom and release the strategy of heaven. They need what you're carrying. You are the church. The ecclesia, the called out ones. You weren't made to blend in. You weren't made to be normal. You weren't made to be unassuming and hang back while everyone else makes the decisions. You are born of a kingdom whose light, the darkness can't comprehend it. And it's ever increasing. And its government is increasing with it. And you are... A part of that. The call this morning is to fly. And the call this morning is how hungry are you for the power of God to demonstrate in your life? I watched last night as a room full of 50 women just... Went after God, not like no one else was in the room, just them and him. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts was, <laughs> one of the ladies looked like God. It was funny. If if God were in the room, this is what he would have been doing. It was really funny. He was like plug her in, ha <laughs> ha, plug her in, <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It was so fun. And I didn't pray for anybody. I I just said, God, if you're hungry for more of God and you want power, go after God. And that's the invitation today. If you're not okay with where you are, do something about it. Do something about it. Change your location. I have no idea how to land. I didn't know how to land all weekend. So I'm just going to end and just make some declaration over you. Is that all right? (laughs) Father, I thank you for the men and women, the boys and girls that are under this roof this morning. Thank you for the wings, the desires, the purposes you put in them from the foundation of the world. Thank you, God, for the genius minds. For the creative arts. Thank you for the ability to write. for The ability to prob- problem solve. Thank you for the mothers and the fathers in this room. Thank you for those who serve our community day in and day out. Thank you for the teachers in this room. Thank you for the gifting that is active. And thank you God for those that are lying dormant that you are going to be faithful to wake up. I thank you, God, that in your mercy and in your kindness, in your goodness and faithfulness, you will never allow us to lay still and dormant and not possessing what we were born to possess and walk in. And I just ask today that the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit, the longing to demonstrate the kingdom we claim to be a part of, would be consuming and overwhelming to every believer in this room. I pray for a hunger that's so insatiable it will never ever be fully satisfied. Content and realized in moments but never fully satisfied. I pray for people who are hungry for you. Not just for power displayed. Not just for demonstration. Not just for all the things you can do and all the things that we get as a byproduct of it. But I pray for people who are hungry for you. For your person. Hungry to be fathered by you. Hungry to know Jesus as real and Savior, hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit, not to be a lesser than, but an equal third Godhead to the Trinity. I pray for a realization of all that you are to be awakened in us. God, we repent for being a church who has to give our children excuses for telling them stories from a gospel we cannot demonstrate. And I bind shame and guilt that's attached to that. Shame and heaviness that would say, you can't, you never will, you shoulda, coulda, woulda. I just pray, God, for hunger. Hunger that trumps shame. Hunger that trumps condemnation. Hunger that causes men and women to get on their face before God and cry out for the realization of your kingdom to come in this hour of history. That our children would not only know about it, but they would actively be involved. That the generations after us could tell stories about a movement in Knoxville. About a hungry people in Knoxville who shook the nation and shook the nations of the earth. God, you would not put the desire there if you didn't have intention to fulfill it. So I pray from the north, the south, the east, to the west. I lift my voice and I call for the hungry ones to come. I call for the hungry ones to find their place. I call, God, for those who are born to fly, to come out of cages and to be healed of their wounds and to come alive with fresh energy and fire and out of weariness in Jesus. Jesus name. I pray that God this would be a house where marriages are restored, where wives are turned to husbands and husbands are turned to wives. I pray our marriages would be as fiery as the fire in your eyes. I pray that we would birth holy, godly seed in the earth and we would be passionate about discipling them to be men and women of action, men and women who demonstrate the gospel. I pray for the hearts of fathers to turn to their children and the hearts of children to turn to their fathers. I pray for mothers to wake up from their slumber and their to-do list and they're busy all the time and they would engage their children and they would intercede for their children and they would mother and nurture them in the spirit first. I pray for the sick to come and leave healed. I pray for the tormented to leave free and delivered, whole and sound minded. I pray you would make us a sign and a wonder. And I pray for all of us who are out of position or out of line or think it's impossible. That you would do whatever transformi- transformative work in us that makes us ready and available for whatever you want to do. I declare over your people that lack is not their problem today. I declare there is no lack in the kingdom of heaven. There is no lack in resources. There's no lack in creativity. There's no lack relationally. I just release abundance over every home, over every marriage, over every uh, every household in Jesus' name. I pray you would meet their needs and I pray as they give from a place of trust that you would go far above and beyond just the average normal means. They would be a people who give and give extravagantly and they would expect generous gifts and they would keep giving generous gifts. I pray for the spirit gifts to be active in your church. I pray for the fullness of the kingdom to be manifest in your church. I pray when you look down on Knoxville, Tennessee, that you would find a people who make you smile. We call for the broken. We call for the hurting. We call for the outcasts. We call for those who have been deceived and disappointed by religion. And we call them into the fullness of the kingdom of God today. I pray today your word would challenge us. And it would not challenge us or move us to tears or an emotional response only. But it would cause transformation. It would cause something new to come alive and be birthed in us. bless your people today God I just declare that we will never be ashamed of who we are we'll never be ashamed of our wings we'll never be ashamed that we like to fly high we'll never be ashamed of what you put inside of us Pray for confidence to rise in the hearts and minds of believers. Confidence to rise, to possess and walk in the fullness of who they are. We will be a full body when we are full individuals. And I pray for that confidence and worth to rise in Jesus' name. We love you today, God. We give you praise. We surrender again. We say, do what you want to do. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth today. In Jesus' name, so be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.